Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 32-year Wall Street analysts who have taken on secret identities and gone underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks we screen for here in the shop each week. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week... It's January 7th, 2013. We've uh, ticked over a new year. Mo, yeah, happy, happy new, new year. year. Happy new, new year. And, uh, and we we're di- still drinking the champagne no, from the first. We ordered a little too much, I yeah. think, so we're having to go through it. <laughs> and but, it's good at breakfast. Um, we've got uh, three great value ideas this year that came off of screen that uh, just gave us stuff that's just been going down for about six months. So... It's pretty interesting. More on that. <laughs> more on that later. Uh, First, the caveats. <laughs> some caveats. Uh, this show's for entertainment purposes only. It's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, Mo and I are professional analysts, <clears throat> portfolio managers. During the week, we do a lot of careful fundamental analysis. We talk to management teams. We do financial forecasts, and we've been careful to do absolutely none of that here on the show. Third, am I on three? Third. 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 Uh, we uh, may not have your best interests in mind. We may accidentally recommend you do the opposite of what's best for you, so please do your own work. And fourth... Uh, Here's we, the problem with three. Yeah, we have been drinking just a little bit. We've got this extra New Year's inventory. So see all our caveats, disclosures, photos, actually links to all of our 300-and-something shows, five years of shows, by ticker. So if you've got a favorite stock that's smaller, might be out there, at www thevalueguys.com. So uh, three ideas this week out of this, basically I'll summarize, terrible-looking stock chart screen. Yeah. Uh, But before we get to that, well, I'll just tell you the stocks. What the heck, right? Uh, Systemax, ticker SYK, Super Microcomputer, not Ordinary Micro. Super. Super, and then Plexus Corp. We're going to do those later. But first... Da, da, da. Value Guys, Wall Street News featuring Momentum. The first Wall Street News of the new year, Mo. Well, Take we, it away. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, it was interesting. I was, um, you got to love the industry that we're in. I Don't was, hate uh, it. I was talking to your uh, cohort down the uh, hall, the uh, the quant. Yeah. And uh, said Did he we pick were... a Value Guys name? I thought he might be doing that. No, no, no. no. Okay. But I asked him if... Uh, what he was think, what, what he thought of the wine, the wa- wine that we're current that I bought at Walgreens on the way over. Yeah, and I said, "Do you like this? It's a very, you know, it's a good vintage." And uh, when you ask a, a quant about wine, they, yeah. they give you an algorithm. Oh, really? I have a website for us. Really? Pull it up. Okay. It's called Liquid Assets. Now, here's the story behind Liquid Assets. When you ask a quant. Hey, I bought a, you know, I bought a $40 bottle of wine. What do you think? Is this a good wine? He says, well, um, you know that I've studied under Orly Ashpelton. Orly Ashpelton. Orly Ashpelton from Yale University, who is a statistician and quant. And uh, he has done all these tests on wine to create a mathematical algorithm that will determine based on, it's called liquid assets, I think. Well, that's what I typed in, and I have... uh I have a chance to make a new friend at this site. Well, <laughs> yeah, oh, those I, liquid I, assets. I yeah, yeah. Backwards, backwards. Uh, 
Anyway, please go on. Please um, go on. So he has a big website where he does these long algorithms where he where he correlates uh, uh, international weather patterns, soil conditions, uh, number of heat days during certain months to create an algorithm that says this wine theory is mathematically better than that wine, um, so, which is an interesting way for us to start maybe choosing well, our I alcoholic know, beverages. Oh, here you are. You're up there. Ass- it's actually, it says liquid assets, but the actual address is liquid asset. Hmm. Just... For those that want to follow So pull up one of his wine tests, which is very interesting, because the first thing that Uh, your colleague asked me about the wine is what what I thought of its Epsilon. And I didn't know that that was a a, a wine word. I prefer my Epsilon uh, capitalized. Well, he said he preferred a um, fat-tailed version. But at any rate, so this is these are what. But when you ask a a real wine geek, what do you think? Well, here's what he does. He goes to this website. They have reports on all these wines here, Mo. And they're all they're all mathematical algorithms. So if you are good at, I guess, at calculus, at a tasting of a Chateau Montalena versus the Dominus uh, for on four matched vintages. Just pull that up. Oh, oh my! A lot of numbers here. Judge rankings, <clears throat> standard deviations. This is amazing. Oh, here's Orly. He was uh, negatively correlated. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh. see, the thing is, and that's what you really want, especially huh. if you're going to have it in a blend, you look at all the ingredients, and you make sure that they are not all positively correlated for the taste. This actually looks like a pretty cool site. That's a nice uh, a nice tip. So, anyway, that, that's what you want to take all you wine snobs. That's what you want to do. But we're drinking. We're not even drinking wine tonight, We are not even drinking wine. So, here, I have a question for you. I just was reading this, and, of course... I'm always uh, interested in personal finance. Mm. So here's a, just 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 answer me intuitively. Sure. Go I, ahead. Shoot. I give you a penny. One penny. Sure. And I double that. Okay? Yeah. <clears throat> Every day. Yeah. Today I give you a penny, tomorrow I give you two cents, the next day I give you four cents. And then eight yeah. the next day. How much money... Am I giving you in thirty days? Uh, it's a lot. I've actually we, we You've did thought this about puzzle. That, huh? Well, we had it was a chessboard. If you got one penny on the first square, it's a, it's 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 a hundred million dollars. No, it's not that much. Oh. But it's if you did okay. that for thirty days, 30 one days. month. Maybe it was sixty-four days. Was a hundred million? Yeah. That's the chessboard. Yep. Yeah. This was a five point three million. Five point three million. And the point is what they're saying, what this little article I read today was, is that Einstein said the most powerful force in the universe is compounding. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so quick analysis for all the readers that are younger because you'll Well, that's why you got to go for yield because it's compounding it, at that Exactly. Rate. Yeah. So um, here's an interesting observation. So two, two investors, Sarah and Roger. Sarah puts $1,000 <clears> a month away. All right. Am I supposed to be writing this down, Mo? Nah, she's only she's only twenty five years old. Okay. She puts a thousand dollars a month away for ten years. Yeah. Roger, who starts savings when he's thirty five, puts a thousand dollars a month away for thirty years. That is really disciplined up on the part of Roger. I just want Sarah to say. ends up. Sarah does it for ten years and she stops. Roger does it for thirty years, but he starts. 
10 years behind Sarah. Sarah's better off. Comes out better. Better off, and he's put in three times more money. Power of compounding, my friends. Huh. Do they know each other? Maybe they could combine in. Well, here's here's the depressing part. Let's say you and I were close to sixty, <clears throat> which we so may or may we not. We are. Be. So there you go. So if we did, if we started savings now, which, which I really got to get around to start doing, yeah, better do that. By the time we're a hundred and fourteen years old, yeah, we're retiring, baby, and that's going to be the end of the show. That's my shot. That's where I'm going for. Hundred and fourteen. Yeah. Anyway, so well, in other words, I mean, if you're sixty and you haven't started saving, you got to start thinking about downsizing, or. Suicide. Well, no, well, I mean, or find a young, wealthy wife, widow, there something you like go. that. Well, that's probably hey, the honey, best I don't financial. mean us, by the way. That's probably the best financial mice. advice that you could actually yeah. give to somebody. Marry a, a wealthy spouse. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, so, uh, is that it for Wall Street News? <laughs> Do we have anything else going? you got to tell me something. We started this, we started this, we started this uh, screen of yours. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. You want me to say what it is? Well, let me just tell you something. We finished printing out all of the stock pages yeah. that the screen yielded. The printer ran out of red ink. Well, we've never used it so uh, intensely as with this week's chart. I've never seen so much red in my... And I thought it was a very Christmassy theme. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these, these are the only... These are the only tear sheets on a stock I've ever seen where probably two-thirds of the page is in red. Yeah, where did, where did that uh, list go of the screen? Do you have it over there? Oh, the big, big list? Oh, the list of the uh, criteria. Guys? There we go. Okay. So, uh, you had, I, oh, said I wrote debt. a few things down. So this was, again, we have, uh, we have a, 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 a a service called FactSet here in the office. So they make these screens so easy. But you can do all of this stuff at Yahoo Finance, which is free and great. Finance.yahoo.com. And that's what I would be using, except this is already here, ready to go. So I have to admit, I take that extra time and I pour us beverages. You know? So you yeah. were saying at first that debt was going to be what? Well, One here's half what the screen was. <clears throat> I first said, hey, here's something we haven't done in a while. Let's do the new 52-week lows. So I punched that up. Guess how many there are? There's 27,000 stocks. Six. In America, anyway. So I'm like, well, that's not enough. And what does that tell you about how strong the market's been? Well, I mean, I've never seen just six new lows, and three of them were Chinese stocks. They probably just announced some kind of fraud. Right. So then Wait I went... Wait a minute. You can't say that on the air. I can't? Why? Because the Chinese embassy will try to shut us down. Ah. Oh, well, we're not... Remember so what Argentina tried to do a few years ago to us? You know, we have, uh, we have freedom of the... Freedom of the podcast working for us. Um, okay, so here's the screen we ended up doing. <coughs> and it's sort of looking for, the theme is, and I have a little cold, I apologize. Stocks that look terrible and they've been going down a lot, but their balance sheet is okay. So debt is half of equity or less. So, you know, twice as much equity as debt. Uh, the share... Actually, initially, it was price below book, but I didn't get enough of those, so I said price below two times book. Actually, I think book is so mangled up as an accurate number, you know, that I, I don't mind doing that. They're, they, uh, they're actually thinking of changing the name, actually, to, to reflect that. To it's going to be called Storybook. Storybook. Well, it should be. All the write-offs and such people take. Okay, so two times book. And then... Uh, 
Oh, here was an interesting criteria. The stock has to be down 30% in the last 90 days. Well, no one was getting through that, so I made it down 10% in the last 90 days. Now, it's been a good period. So if you're down 10% in the last 90 days, something's been going wrong, and we have all those here. And then the final one was uh, market cap above $30 million. So debt less than half of equity, <clears throat> share price less than two times book, and then the stock's been down 10% or more in the last 90 days. We got now, this, this algorithm or this, 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 these criteria might be better for shorting stocks than buying them because i got to tell you, well, normally we print out a whole slew of these things and I kind of thumb through them and I go, chart looks good, chart looks good, or dividend looks high. Well, I've been and printing just, out some good charts for you it's been, it's been a great run. And this was, you put, <laughs> you put 10 in front of me and I thought, I can't, what kind, there's nothing. Welcome to my world, things. my friend. Wow, it's, uh, that is. So a, these stocks have been left for dead and maybe they should be, you know, who knows. But we got uh, only about 35 names came through that list and here they are. And we went through them and sat here and... Uh, these are the least terrible of the yeah, terrible. They, you know, I don't even know if I like any of these. <coughs> and I usually am pretty optimistic. So we've got three names. The challenge here is not to pick yeah. a good idea. The challenge is to say, how can a, how can a skilled sell-side guy put lipstick on a pig? Yeah, right. Your boss comes in, he's like, Here's hey, a listen, company. I've got some good news and bad the, news. The bankers want you to the <laughs> bankers the want news? you to recommend this company. <laughs> What's the good news? Well, you can stay employed. Great. What's the bad news? Uh, you're covering this terrible stock right so now. So this just so <clears throat> approach it from that exercise, a life a life exercise. You've done this a hundred times. Well here's a company. Yeah. Tell me why I should buy it. Uh, one reason that we don't actually have, if we were in that scenario, is they're about to get $50 million you know, that from is, an offering. That's very uh, Unfortunately, <clears throat> we don't have that. Okay, first up is a little company called Plexus Corp. P-L-X-S. Clever. <clears throat> Excuse me. i got to fix that. And uh, uh, what these guys do... Now, they got through the screen. That's one of the nice things about screens is they got through it. So we know that it's one of these stocks with a okay balance sheet, but it's been down 10% at least in the last 90 days. So when you have a list like that, obviously what's happened in the last 90 days is analysts have cut estimates. So one of the themes here is that all of these in the last... 90 days have had meaningful estimate cuts by the analysts. This stock, Plexus, is covered by 10 analysts. We don't know who they are right now, but they've all cut their estimates by 20 to 25 percent in the last three to six months. So that means the company just simply guided down. So that's why the stock is down. When you look at the, uh, you know, historicals, they've got, uh, you know, not fast-growing revenue by any means, but it's not down. It's sort of sluggish the last few years. It's up off the 09, uh, you know, low, and they've had a little bit of growth, two billion in sales. They're putting up about 140, 150 million in EBITDA, and that's also been static for four years. So there's no growth, but at the same time, uh, they did pay down a little debt last year. Uh, they have added to their assets. They've added to their book value. They have been buying down shares, so they're using their cash for that. And they've got uh, 
you know, a, a growing uh, EPS number, although estimates were cut, so the growth now is just a little less than we thought. Estimates for this year, uh, September 2013, two bucks, stock at 25, that's 13 times. Enterprise value to EBITDA, or as I like to think about it, some kind of EBITDA yield, earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, and amortization, some kind of measure of a cash flow, divided by the total value of the company, the debt plus the equity less the cash, the price we'd have to pay to have the rights to the cash flow. That yield is the inverse of 5.7, which is around, what, 17%. That's cash on cash. If we bought the company, we would get a 17% uh, yield on our purchase, at least right now. So obviously we, we have to have a sense of what's coming. But Mo, for my money, all that's happened is they've guided down. So whereas we thought growth was going to be a little faster, maybe on the order of 10%, instead it's going to be flat. And the stock came in, you know, I mean, it was at uh, 40 back in uh, early 2012, and now it's at 25. They also have a big chunk of cash. 298 million bucks with 36 million shares so that's around you know I'm going to just do it's 9 bucks or something a share and they have 260 million in long debt so they're still net cash positive by about a buck a share on a $25 stock EBITDA margins in the 6% range surprisingly stable so I like that return on assets is lower than you'd like in the single digits so maybe there's some work to do there. Maybe there's a write-off they need to take that they haven't taken. Some asset that's not pulling its weight that somebody should just write off. And then return on equity is in the, you know, it's gotten the mid-teens. Right now it's sitting at 10, which is not good. So who knows, but it's cheap, balance sheet okay, and, uh, you know, maybe there's some chance for them to bring back the margins of a few years ago, Mo. I don't know. Well, you know, first, uh, I'll give you a, a technical observation. But first, you know, <clears throat> hey, uh, shout out to Facts that I know you guys cut and paste a lot of these company descriptions. <clears throat> and I know that a lot of the stuff needs to be, you know, automated because you have so many companies that you track on your, your site. But <laughs> it would be so helpful if some of these guys would give an, a plain English description of what they do. You... You know, Everybody I didn't even out go through there, that, listen, so. listen. Let, tell me what this company does because I have a, you know, MBA. I, uh, you have a MA. So MS actually. MS. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. Um, so listen to this. It delivers optimized product realization solutions through product realization value stream services model. It provides product realization services to original equipment manufacturers and other technology companies in the wireline networking, wireless <laughs> infrastructure, medical, industrial, commercial, defense, security, aerospace, and mar- other market sectors. Wow. You know, you went eight words without saying realization. Uh, <laughs> I just realized that. <laughs> well, maybe that's why I didn't even read that. What, what do you think they actually do, uh, I Mo? think they write really complicated paragraphs. Yeah. And that's Product valuable, you know. I don't know. It sounds like it's a buy-leaseback company where they, uh, you know, where they, where they, uh, where they, buy something up front and then receive the royalties and stuff. But Well, there could be a clue in the comps they show. So, And I've heard of Plexus, but I didn't bother to 
you know, trying to do as little work as possible. Jollibee Jol- Circuit? Well, Flextronics is a, uh, you know, they're an outsourced manufacturer. Jabil, Jabil, I'm not sure how to say that. Circuit, I believe, is as well. So I, I think there's a chance, and this is where that do-your-own-work, you know, caveat is so important. I wouldn't know yeah. where to begin <laughs> With these guys. Well, I, think I wonder, what, well, we should try Googling it. What do you get when you have value? Well, I think what they do is, let's say you and I could invent some cool electronic device. Yes. And, but we don't have any knowledge of how to make that or even, you know, have the tools and the, the equipment. I think you send your, your designs to them and they make it for you. That's what I think. But we could Google it. I mean, I got the Internet right here. They also do order fulfillment, logistics, service, and repair. They deliver right. comprehensive end-to-end solutions for, yeah. It's a, well, so they, like, we design it, so it's our thing, but then everything happens over there. They make it, they inventory it, they sell it, they bring, all we, we just get to get checks and well, have a lab, I think. You know, I don't know what they do, but here's where you get a pretty interesting technical observation on the stock. You were right. It was it's down from almost 40% uh, about a year ago. So listen to this. In 2008, the company, you know, at when was rebounding from the crisis, was at 25, went up to 30, came back down to 25 in 2010, went up to 40, came back down to 25 in 2011, went back to 40. Yeah. We're now back at 25. This is your technical observation. Where do you think it goes? This isn't guess the stock price, is it? It's damn close. I can't play that. All right, here's a company that has bounced on the $25 technical level four times in a row and maxed out at 40 where it just hit 25 and the good news is that it probably bounced back from 24 Well, here's the so fundamental view of that same event. Yes. At 25 yes. a bunch of guys in the company that own stock go, holy crap, our stock's down to 25 We better do something that the street sees as positive. So they go and they figure something out. They deliver some new Whatever product, they're delivering, whatever they're though, doing. isn't a permanent fix. Well, because it, it could be just optimism. Yes. It could yeah. be optimism. These companies, sometimes just optimism, right? A so PE. if you have a good conference call, that yeah. sends the stock Or have Investor Day and everyone comes with big smiles. You serve fruit, yeah. you know? Good that investors. can sometimes move a stock. I, I, but here, look, I'm on their website, Mo. I want to add a little bit to the description that wasn't that clear here. So what exactly is okay. the product realization Here's what it actually services. says on their website. I mean, we've got it right here. Plexus uses a unique product realization service model. So that's that word realization. You know what I think it is? It means they make it real. We've got an idea. They make it real. Product realization? Well, because we... Okay. So here's what they do. They transform... $20, our, that's not what it is. They transform our concepts into branded products and deliver them to our target market. That's what they do. They do. We could we could draw something right now and then send it to them and they would so make it. So what's all this about the uh, present realization value stream services? You mean they get paid sort of an annuity? We we back well, so is that an angel is that an angel financer? I think they do everything for you. So we're just we just invented. Hi, I'd like something. to start a company that's going to be a yeah. Fortune 500 company in three years. Right. Come up with a concept, execute no, no, it for have, me. No, no, they report don't do. report back with the profits. They don't. Great. <laughs> that would be Does great. It, weird. Can we call them? Well, they they're not. That would be a good business to get into. Yeah. Definitely the one. But no, they don't. They do all of that except you. We need the idea. We got to think of the damn. The thing. I know. You're, they're so close. They just had that other element. 
Uh, well, maybe so, that's an area they could expand into, you know coming they, up with ideas for you. You know what they sell, Mo? Dreams. 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 How American. Yeah. You know, hey, I what, just thought hey, of something. It's what we sell. Hey, we'll take your money and turn that maybe into something, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think if you're selling dreams, they should have margins that are closer to the margins over in the uh, in the lottery. Well, if you're selling dreams, you're probably going to bounce at $25 a share from a historical That's technical what I'm saying. perspective. Get the so dreams going. We're there. All right. Dreamy, a dreamy stock. Next up. Ooh, that, that was painful. Yeah. I don't know. I still don't know if I like it, but I can dream that it might go up. Right? Yes. Uh, i got to go alphabetical here, Mo. Let's Which see. It? Is T- Y come before U, you, or does U so come tricky. before Y? All right, Super Microcomputer Inc., ticker SMCI. We love this because it was a super micro. Well, we, There are a lot we of micros go, out there. We didn't go for the ordinary micro or the, the medium micro. micro. It's like the Spider-Man of micros. This is, uh, now, this came through our screen, so kind of okay balance sheet, uh, debt half of equity or, or less, and... Uh, the stock, um, I think there was a thing here about having to be less than the value of current assets. Um, Half of equity. Uh, uh, and Yeah, and then uh, less than twice of, okay. of book. Um, and I had that written down here, but I misplaced it. So anyway, this got through that screen, super microcomputer. And the unique thing about this particular screen is it delivers these stocks, uh, well, Another element was that they're down 10% in the last 90 days, which is a little unusual for the market right now. So you get these charts that look terrible. And here's another one, Mo, just for you. Uh, Super Microcomputer, SMCI. I'm sure no, I'm repeating no. myself. So what do we but like about... Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Before you even go into the valuation. Okay. Super Microcomputer serve, you know, provides server technology. And here's what they provide. Green... Computing, innovation services, green computing. Now, I've just, I just, the, the reason is we just had a couple of companies come in and present about this. So these new um, green computing companies mm-hmm. are drawing their electricity from plants. No, no, cow compost. Cow, you know, I have heard that. And so, and as a result, you know, they're they're actually they're self-generating. They produce no except Bio for cow. Fuel. Except for the cow compost, yeah, they produce no, you know, toxics or anything right. like that. So yeah, I have heard about this. So they said, so this is green computing. Well, you know, some of these server farms, no joke, they're so electricity intensive that if you, you know, in order to, like Google, they're such a new age company that if you really said, you know, Google burns the amount of electricity of Ecuador. I mean, well, if you, you told look, someone that, you look from those satellite pictures. Yeah, where you look at down at, at the. Uh, at consumption, right, and, and you can see where their server farms are because there's these bright red, they're bright red yeah. dots on the map because of yeah. all of the, the energy. And Apple and has heat. one down, I think, in South Carolina. I mean, so in order to, so you can't be the cool, you know, you know, company of the future when you're leaving this giant carbon footprint. So you got to do the green, right? And uh, put manure, camouflage and manure on compost it. is the way to go. You get the some methane guy, is really. Yeah. Fuels everything. It's clean. The materials, you know, you have them uh, somehow reflect heat, or right. You get guys playing guitar. And in I there. think the real thing know. that's important is that this manure yeah. comes from free-range cows. They're not it, fenced in. They are not fenced in, and you get a lot of people say higher quality manure, but you get happier cows. Yeah. 
And uh, so everybody's very well, happy. And with they this. do not make those cows punch time cards. They do they just not. come when they want, go yes. when they want. Yep. And it, it translates into a overall better, better customer experience. Anytime a cow wants to use some of the uh, gym equipment, they can bunch right in line. They so have as Ben free, and Jerry say, yeah. you know, a, a, a happy cow is a good tasting cow. Yeah. And uh, so anyway. We're getting so a little so, off. Yeah, now. we're getting a little off. One, one, again, quick technical observation. If you just look at the chart on this company. Well, it's terrible, it, right? It's terrible, but it's, it's a 10 bucks, and it has been here. Multiple times in the past, it's had a couple of big spikes. No stranger up to, to ten dollars, my friend. Right, but it always bounces. It bounced in two thousand ten, a little more than that in two thousand eleven. Here we are, two thousand twenty. This is another one of those interesting stocks where you just say, "Wow!" If you knew the story and you were relatively comfortable with the with the valuation, which is where you're going to hit. Yeah, you, you may want to just say technically this thing consistently bounces on. It this does level. look kind of a handwritten M. It looks chart. like a big M. I don't know if that, I'm not a technical it, guy, but what do, is the M uh, curve? What it's is not that? Head and shoulders. That was uh, a shampoo, but uh, it was uh, the big the M yeah. curve. Yes, it might. Is that what it is? Could be. It's, but it's and a handwritten. So, M. so now we're going to become the M N. And there's a little italic in there as well. I don't yes. know if that factors into your analysis. No, it does not. Ah, because I saw the italic. So uh, that's, that might mean something a little more. It's, it's possible. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm going to look at the value. Uh, so technically the value. it looks like you're at a support level. And the value um, side. Now take it away. Here's why a value guy would look at a screen like this. Because obviously from our conversation, it's clear that this is just dregs. We're massacres. We're dregs. That's why we're So I just want to underscore that when you're a value investor, most of what you're going to be looking at is dregs. It's that needle in a haystack, and haystacks are not good smelling. I know in a photo they look nice. It's dregs, and there's a lot of rotten crap in there, if I can say that. And I want to let everyone know that even though <clears throat> yeah. we consider ourselves value guys, we did not pursue that strategy with our wives. We did not. Because we've we've had some well, inquiries on the website. That's not a portfolio, is, my friend. So how do you, do you guys apply this to your life in general? It's you're not you don't have a if you had a portfolio because you were definitely not a value guy. Well, you you have a you have a portfolio of stocks and you just need a few of them to work. But when you have a wife, the whole thing always needs to uh, work. That's you know, very true. It's so it's a whole different algorithm. You gotta go quality on that one. High P E. Yeah, you definitely. You anyway. Yeah. So um in any case Again, we keep losing our focus. Is there an explanation for my, that, Mo? Probably my fault. Let me go to caveat number four. Just rewind. <laughs> take a look at that. Okay, well, Super Microcomputer, it came from this value screen that's basically companies that have been really disappointing, really doing poorly, causing analysts to think the worst of them, and yet they still manage to have kind of an okay balance sheet, kind of an okay uh, you know, price relative to book value. So in this case, and we looked through about, I don't know, 40 of them. This one popped out, and I, I certainly like the industry. Uh, they provide, um, you know, a bunch of stuff that's basically unit-wise gaining share of the economy. So it's all this stuff that is indeed becoming a commodity, um, storage systems, workstations, blade servers, network devices, uh, and let's see, complete rack solutions. So you can imagine they provide stuff for server farms, especially if you have an incomplete rack. Well, you gotta you gotta have those complete uh, facilities in your server farm, and so I think that uh, they do that, and it is a commodity. So you're going to have low margins. You're competing on price. The companies that are really great at this 
are going to have good asset turnover, drive a high ROI by competing on price, which would mean, you know, not that great of a margin because you're thinking about markup. I pay 100 for something. I need to keep my price low. I want to charge another guy 105. That's going to give me, in effect, a 4% margin. So I, I'm working with low margins, but I got to make it up on logistics, turnover, assets over, or sales over assets, which <clears throat> these guys are doing. They're running two times, but in the recent couple years, they're down a little bit. Their asset turns are falling. And as a result, while they're putting up pretty consistent margins the last few years, which I do, that's why, in fact, of all these dregs, I get attracted to looking at this, because they are putting up a 5-6% margin, EBITDA margin, uh, which is pretty good and uh, for this type of company. And yet their return on assets a few years ago was running 10 and nine, now it's running four. And I think that my thesis would simply be, with not knowing anything, that whatever they did to have it at nine before, they can do again. They just have to get a little more disciplined. Unless and, there's uh, been some systematic change in the industry. Well, certainly. I mean, maybe they, you know, the economies of scale went to a new level, they can't get to it, but their debt to capital is 8%. So, they should be able to borrow money if they if they need to, and even with their price now at you know near let's see the price to book is uh, it's over book, so they could if they needed to raise a little equity without a dilution to existing shareholders. The thing that's happened to make the stock come down from I guess eighteen to ten here in the last year is simply as you see, Mo, all the estimates have come in, and that's got to be due to a couple things. One. They're losing market share in whatever they're doing, and, you know, again, I don't know. I do know that there's been a little bit of a slowdown in the computer business due to the uh, transition to Windows 8, due to share gain by tablets and things like that. Maybe they're caught up in something of that nature. You know, I don't know. But you'd have to go do your own work. But I would say right now they've got a $0.60 cent estimate for next year. The stock is 10 They've got $2 in, in cash. Uh, they, uh, you know, and so you can back that out. That's eight bucks. And so they're trading at about 13 times earnings, which, you know, I don't think is too bad for a company that might be able to, you know, put up some improved margins over the next few years. But it, it's, it's hard to even like this one. You know what I mean? These are dregs, and this is one I just might draw your attention to. But sometimes on the show we'll say, just buy it. This one I can't really do say work. that. Yeah, do you know, when, uh, when when we see when we see a company like this, there's a lot of companies we look at, we talk about, and we say the their story is crystal clear in every one of the trends of the numbers we look at. So we can say, I can look at this company, I can check out the spreadsheet, and I can tell you with a pretty high degree of accuracy what the story is behind those numbers. And, and that's one of the cool things about doing the show. When I look at this, I think one of the things I would want to know about this company is this company was founded 1993, so it's been around for a while, by Charm, Charles Lang, Yi Xuan, Law, and Chu Chu Lao Lang. 
1993 in San Jose, California. These UC California guys that came out of the physics lab, I would want to know what the story is. I would want to know what what product are you involved yeah. in. This is one of those things where the story is... What are they really good at? What's their core and not, skill? And, right. Yeah. It's not as obvious as some of the other companies in past shows we've looked at. Where yeah. it's like, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Yeah. All of these names, what's key is they've got, at least these two, have got good technical charts. But you've got to know the story before you get in there because what you don't want to do is run under there trying to catch a falling knife. Well, I would say, I just echo that, it's just the particular screen that I just randomly chose to run tonight. Might be a good short screen. I don't, I don't know. know, but, you know, there's a lot of dregs in here. You know, when you lay in that down 10% feature to a screen when the market you know I, I don't I have a few charts up here but in the last quarter you know the market was up uh, what 10% or something yeah. like that yeah. I mean so down 10 these are dramatically underperformers and the, the commonality among them all is big estimate changes down by a group of analysts this one is covered by five people all right here's all right. my question do five people really know everything about this company? Are their estimates really accurate, or did they just get guidance from a management team that desperately wants to beat estimates next year, so they're just saying, or look, they, guide or, down as much as possible so we can be sure to beat next year? Or they have the five analysts that are uh, analysts for the investment bankers that do business for the company, and so therefore they're really getting paid for their research. Right. So you just don't know. And with this type of uh, recent activity in the market, all these estimate uh, declines. This is you got to go in and figure this out. But which, I would say it's worth a little time. Well, but which also tells you though, as as, a, as an investor that's running different screens, the screens we've run in the past yield results that for the average person don't require that much tire kicking. It's like wow, here's a company. The, right. Uh, the, the the dividend yield is things high. are already it's moving safe. along. Yeah. Debt reductions in place. Yeah. Revenues are relatively flat. margins are improving. Right. These these are much 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 trickier. So I don't know if it a little were, earlier in the development of the story, right? Which tells you this is where you guys can jump in, yeah. Because you have the you have the wherewithal. You got all the analysts here to go through this these kind of things and come up with some certitude. Well, anybody really, if if this here's what I would say: a lot these of work. things, the momentum is so bad that very few professionals, aside from the bankers are probably spending much time on this on the sell side. There are some buy side guys looking at this as an opportunity, but this is the time you can actually go do your homework. The sell side, they're not going to do anything right now. The estimates have all come down. So a bunch of analysts have called management liars and they've bagged me because they have to explain to their sales force why their estimates were so wrong. I always turn this around and analysts come and say, you know, management missed estimates and they're all coming down. And I'd say, well, wait a minute. Aren't you trying to estimate the earnings? Didn't you make a mistake? I mean, the the CEO's job is not to estimate uh, the earnings. It's to go run the company. So right now they're in the, the penalty box, and it gives you a chance to go do a little of your own homework on this one. Yeah, but, de but definitely tread tread carefully. It's an interesting yeah. story, but controversial. Okay, so that's Super Microcomputer. Uh, good luck to you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last up. Thankfully. Yeah. Mercifully. Uh, Systemax. Ticker SYX, and I'm pretty sure we've gone in alphabetical order uh, today. Uh, but that SUSY, that was a little tricky, wasn't it? Val. So, Val. Yeah. These guys. 
Yes, sir. Well, they make office furniture, <laughs> cell phones, and video games. Sounds like a weekend. <laughs> so, tell me, tell me about the uh, synergies there. Well, okay. These, uh, they, I know there's a, I know there's a grand scheme. A lot of those things start with stuff. C. Is so that these, a so common these guys name? make computer parts, GPS, cell phones, software, video games, home and office, and other products. Industrial products. They make. Uh, Material handling, storage, shelving, workbench, and shop desks. Well, you know, if shop you can make a cell phone, you can make a shop desk. That's I, what I've always that's said. Pro- I've heard that said. You know, it's forward integrating. Where do you make your cell phone? On a shop desk. Why not own both? Sounds right? like it's backward integrating to me. <laughs> uh, let's let's just be uh, let's be honest with the listeners. I don't know what they do exactly. Um, <laughs> You know, this, I do. This it says <laughs> right here, they make shop desks. What is it about shop desks that you are vague on? Well, just that they're why wooden, they would, They're about 32 inches high. They can be as long as These could be metal feet. shop desks. And they Mom. very well could we be. We don't know that. Be, yep, because they also make, they make a shelving, storage shelving. All right, well, here's where I see. When I see something like this, I just say, you know, blah, blah, blah. Let's look at the data. There's a, that, re- there's a real story here. Is there? Well, here's my story. Uh, they're putting up mid to low teens ROE, so that's worth a further look. Uh, their return on assets is mid to upper single digits. That's not great, but you know, for some commodity guy at five times EBITDA, it's not terrible. One of the nice things about it, it's been very consistent. Their EBIT margin is very low, 2%, 2.5%. The fact that they can drive a 6% or 7% return on assets with a 2% EBIT margin tells me they're very good at something in logistics, turning assets, and generating a lot of sales on not a lot of assets. So that's a skill they have. Um, and, uh, and so I continue to be interested. They're turning assets, yeah, here's the number, four times. That's a skill. Something good is going on here. Sales have been going up. In fact, they missed the uh, Great Recession, so we may not know what they do, but they they kept doing it, and they kept doing it well. EBIT has been under a little more pressure, so while sales have been going up, EBIT's been going down, and EBIT margin has been going down from mid-threes to, you know, one and a half. So that's problematic and probably represents a shift toward lower margin products to keep the growth going or price cuts or what have you. So th- this is, again, one of these companies that you look at and you go, these numbers aren't great. And bear in mind, ladies and gentlemen, these are the best three out of the list we had. So, again, more dregs. The stock's gone from 22 to <clears throat> 10 in the last year. Uh, analyst estimates have come down 60% in the last six months. Of course, that's two analysts, so maybe they you know, aren't the, aren't the best at this job, but i got to believe that's company guidance combined with results. So what you have here is you have a, a cheap stock. It's five times EBITDA. That's a 20% EBITDA margin, cash on cash return. But with all this hair on it, that's how much you need to get you interested. And it doesn't grow, but maybe growth is right around the corner in one of these various segments. You know, who knows uh, which thing that they sell is going to start growing. But it uh, it's a curious, cheap, but unusual name, I'd say, Mo. Well, you know, when um when when 
when guys in our business look at a sheet like this, what's kind of cool is it's a Rorschach test, and you got you know 25 or 30 years of of experience that, that reminds you of different stories or what you look at based on charts, based on numbers. Um, and um, these guys are interesting because if I were going to guess at the story behind them, I would say based on the, the information you pull off the sheet, say the following. Really? These guys, these guys make furniture, they make office furniture packaging supplies, they make workbenches for industry, and they do software, video games, TV, video, audio, and camcorders. So here's what I think. The, the number two in command here is a guy named Larry Reinhold. He's an MBA, but he's a CPA. Tell me that this isn't really a fund of, of companies that, that are a fund of companies that are purchased on the cheap by very savvy people that are CPAs. And they say, they're cheap, they may be slightly underperforming, but that's how we're buying them. There are only two analysts that follow this. It may not even be a real company. It may just be two guys in an office buying companies. Two guys in an office <clears throat> buying companies. They yeah. run themselves autonomy. They own the control of well, those companies. Well, it says here they have 5,000 employees. So, but, but that's the employees that's of, the of all the other companies they own. They own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you sort of look at this and you just think, you know, um, the shares outstanding have been fairly consistent. So yeah. who knows whether they are just buying these companies because they think the the there really isn't that much synergy among them, but they're they're smart, they're savvy MBA CPA types. So you talk to them, you've got to get comfortable that the that the portfolio of companies that they own are being run well. There's a turnaround. How how do they do the due diligence to acquire all these companies? But it looks like that's what it is to me. Bunch of smart guys buying companies on the cheap. Sometimes the market doesn't always recognize that. But if they're sticking to their guns, they seem smart. Yeah, I'll take a well, you know, I'll take a flyer on them. I bet one of the commonalities here, when you think about these products, they sound, you know, like they're not related. But of course, what they what could be related is the customers. So they have deep relationships. With who knows? I sold Port you Washington. a cell phone, so now I'm going to sell no, you I, a workbench. I handle your. You have a fleet of five thousand people doing a certain type of job. They all need to be outfitted. They all need a workbench. They need a computer that plugs into it. They need a TV. It could be the radio TV business. They're in Port Washington. It could be everyone in New York that has a. I grew up workstation. in Port Washington. Did you? I did. Do you remember this company? <laughs> No. Okay. Well, they're <laughs> anyway. new. But, it, I mean, it, so, I mean, I'm just, I'm reaching, so I have no idea. But it, it could be that they have very strong relationships at a, at a high level, a CFO level, where they just say, look, we're going to sell you this stuff cheaper than anyone. By just talking to me, you've already saved yourself a lot of time and money, and we'll give you the best price, and we'll handle it. And they just, and they sell fleets of company, you know, fleets of salespeople or fleets of technical people, all the stuff they need. You, you get your computer, your TV, your video, your audio, your camera, all this stuff. I'm just thinking it's the, like the, the TV business. It could be... Maybe nice they, try. That maybe was they good, have but NBC <laughs> as a customer or something. Ah, you're going to yeah. have a hard time convincing me. All right. So the last last technical observation is the last time this stock was at 10 bucks was during the financial crisis. We knew how bad it was back then. What is so bad right now that we're back at 10 bucks? I think that uh, this one is like, you know, trying to catch a falling knife. Yeah.
But it might not be. It might be a dull knife, and you might be fine. You pick up the knife, you get a band aid, and then you make a few bucks. I tell you what, that, that was the most painful <laughs> three socks That's we've been gone a tough through. Week. Whoa! I know. Well, here I'm just going to put a big X through that particular. Screen. Yeah, and I'm going to put more ice in our glasses uh, because right. I think before we do national economic yeah. trends, we need to take a break and. Sounds good. We'll be right back Get with uh, inspired. paging through national economic trends, which uh, hopefully there'll be some insights in that segment that we didn't find in this segment. So we will be right back, everybody. Hello, everybody. We're back with paging through national economic trends, where the value guys actually virtually go to St. Louis, the St. Louis Federal Reserve, and we download all the information that you need to know about the United States economy is at the website belonging to the Federal Reserve of St. Louis. And now it's time for us to give you our unqualified and uneducated... Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I actually do have, a, I do have a few economics classes. You must have some economics. I went to a few. Yeah. I mean, mine was in the uh, morning, so I wasn't always awake. But uh, but this is the kind of information we use every day in our professional uh, endeavors, I'd say. And so, we, go ahead. I've got a question. Yeah. For Very, you know, assuming... Cheers, these, by the way. Oh, cheers. It's been a while. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, it's been a few minutes since we drank. Yes, <laughs> Exactly. Um, so on the you know you're looking on this page of this big chart unemployment rate it's it's yeah. plummeting it's a good it's a very good looking chart the unemployment's gone from ten percent at the end of two thousand nine we're now hovering what do you think we are about seven and then you know seven, seven and a half point, percent or point eight something so big big decline it's been very consistent over time we know the Fed is going to stop economic easing when unemployment gets theoretically to you know below seven percent. When that happens, do interest rates begin to spike because you no longer have the easing? Interest rates spike, bond prices decline. Yeah. And so you basically short bonds. And it, it, do you think that is the way that this is going to play out? Because you got interest rates at historic lows, historic lows. Yeah. And I know the world's unstable, but sooner or later you got to give to a reality. And do we get to a point where you're going to see a pop in interest rates? Quantitative easing can't last forever. And uh, if you're if you're heavily involved in the longer term bond market, you know what are you doing there? What are you thinking? Yeah. Well, this is the discussion everywhere right now. If right. you head into 2013, bonds have returned. Uh, so well because interest rates keep going down from levels that people thought they weren't going to go down. But it's hard to go down much from one. Uh, well, you know, Japan sits out there as an example of an economy, a national economy that for a decade or longer has had interest rates below the level that everyone thought was impossible the year before. And so, uh, you know, the thing about interest rates is behind all the Fed 
you know, manipulation of supply and demand, you have, in effect, a price of money. Right. And um, when you look at corporate balance sheets or you look at, uh, you know, the baby boomers as they age and move toward retirement, people forget this, but even though we've had a, a bad recession here, it's still the richest generation in the history of the world, planet of the world, ever yeah, yeah, or yeah. the solar system. Very true. And so they have more capital than they need, and it's locked up in their homes and their savings accounts and whether they're in... Do you, I, have a, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you, what are the odds... I mean, there's a... The, what, what if you and I, because our incomes are so high, we're skewing worldwide averages... <clears throat> Well, you know, people try to do that, but when you when you add up the numbers from taxing the wealthy, it's a drop in the bucket. The world is mostly not wealthy. In the United States, the average, I think, income is around uh, per capita, maybe 50000 and yep, and, 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 and so, you know, when you talk about the top 1%, what you have to realize is that's 1%. So in order to really drive revenue in the economy... You need the 50%, the 70%, the 50, the 40%. The 1% could all just flush themselves down the toilet and that... Or move to Russia, or, like or, yeah, to right. or Belgium, do. for that matter, which okay. I would find a little nicer. Yeah. Um, but the 1%, this whole tax increase thing, I hope people are feeling good about it because that's all you're going to get from that. It's not actually going to solve the problem. So I was going to get into this a little bit, Mo, uh, <clears throat> because on page... I got some other comments, but let's just jump ahead to the fun. Uh, this is the national economic trends from the Federal Reserve. And of St. Louis. Of St. Louis. Not to and, be confused uh, with any other Federal Reserve. Well, they, for some reason, seem to have the, the uh, franchise. You never notice that I keep my, publishing I keep data. My, I keep my um, staples in the national oh, economic trends. Yeah, no, that's a good move. Okay, page 7. So ah. it's January 7th, 2013. Look at this. It's Number today's seven, issue. Seven, seven. 7. There's a yield curve. And in the last, uh, it appears, uh, four days or so, the yield curve, which is a measure of the uh, yield. government bond yield at different maturities, it's moved up about 200 basis points in about five or six days and it's almost unprecedented that it would move that much that fast. And so what that means is that there is some concern, evidently, uh, that yields are under pressure toward the upside because of uncertainty regarding the uh, debt limit discussion that's coming up, uh, due to uncertainty regarding what's going to happen to the economy when you lay in these additional taxes. Or maybe even maybe even in anticipation of the fact that if you don't continually have federal easing, that ultimately you're going to see rates... Well, I think there's a big dose of what you just said, Mo, yeah. is that if the Fed stops buying, why are interest rates so low in a period when the money supply has been growing so quickly and that tends to cause people Somebody to Somebody that's impacting demand. Right. They're just, they're just buying everything. And so... Uh, the the Fed balance sheet has uh, been at unprecedented levels during this period, and you're right. There's some thought that they've got to reverse that out, and if they do, that means that interest rates are going go up. up. So, uh, and we've been saying this here on the show a long time, years you know, actually, years. You've got yields in the stock market 
that protect you from some inflation. You also have companies that, if their needs not wants, can raise prices. Inflation is simply the average of all the prices going up. So if you happen to own the companies that are involved in that particular equation, then you're going to be a little ahead of the curve on margins and growth and things like that. So I just wanted to point out this Treasury yield curve. It's almost unprecedented. So Google that up, and it's pretty interesting.、Um, Page seven. If I didn't say that, you have anything else, Mo, on this? I was、uh, looking on it. You couldn't have been on page seven because I'm looking on page seven. Well, we have two copies, Mo.、Mm-hmm. Well, I ran. I oh, I ran the、uh, copy machine well, double was, time. I was here. Was I was looking at something as opposed to the、uh, the yield curves? I was looking at interest rates on page seven. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. that's one chart above.、Here. One chart above. Nice.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, one of the questions that I have, and it, and it's you know I've never heard a good explanation for this, is the deficit hawks say, you know, the, if we if we if the federal we're going to hit the federal ceiling, the deficit ceiling, the the, de-、um, the yeah. debt ceiling, yeah, and.、Uh, You know the deficits hawks consistently say <clears throat> we've got、um, we got such a big debt load that it's going to kill our interest rates. We've already had a, a downgrade from S and P, and yet when you look at this top chart, rates have gone from nine percent to under two percent, and they continue to go down. Yeah, and I know the world is an unsafe place, and there's a flight to safety, which no doubt、right. accounts for some of this. But boy, how do the deficit hawks continue to maintain that position since this has been a since this has been a consistent trend since 1987? Yeah. Well, I think that、uh, at least in the in the more recent term, you know, in 1987,、uh, you know, we were in the business, and I think what's happened, and we got lucky on this, our whole careers. We're part of it. It's just interest rates have been coming down as the Fed has. Learned a couple of things.、One, Must be really depressing to try to be a stock picker in a、uh, in a bear market. Well, it's 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 going to be different than we had. I mean, we've had thirty years of this constant wind at your back of interest rate declines. In part, in my opinion, caused by the the fact that the Fed finally appreciated, in part due to Milton Friedman, that growth in the money supply affects interest rates, and so you got to rein that in a little bit. Uh, and manage it a little bit, and I think that they've also gone to a, just a more direct management of interest rates directly, and they've been on this constant、uh, decline over that period, and so、uh, they're at unprecedented low levels right now. I think that the thing that's happened in the last four years, and I'm no expert by any means, but if you get the companion piece to this national economic trends at the St. Louis Federal Reserve, it's called national monetary trends. Yeah, and there's charts in there that for 50 years look like a dead guy's heartbeat, and then in the last four years have spiked to levels that don't fit on the page because what the Fed has been doing is buying up all kinds of assets and pushing money into the economy that the that the Treasury just printed over there across the street. So the money supply is growing, and ultimately interest rates are simply. As any price is based on supply and demand. So while we can all sit around as intellectuals and say, "Well, gee, Mo,、uh, the money supply is running a little ahead, and I think inflation is coming down the road," the Fed just swamps that with money to buy our bonds. But they can't do that forever. Well,、uh, you know. 
the mitigating factor is how long will other nations accept our currency at face value. And we've talked about this too. With the Chinese creating so much cash that needs to be invested in dollars because they have to they sell things to us and we pay them in dollars and then in order to get any return on that they have to invest it in dominate assets dominated in dollars and so I switch it around and I say you know we're doing them a favor to give them any return and the fact that there's going to be inflation um, is just they have to understand that because their alternative is to dig a big hole in the ground and bury, bury the money, and yeah. that costs more than what we're willing to pay them. So I think, but that is the mitigating factor. Will people continue to take a newly printed dollar bill and give up a dollar's worth of value for that? And the answer, I mean, is at these interest rate levels, yes, we do that. And I think. Uh, hmm. I, think I like that uh, concept of printing bills. Is that the new color copier? Is that it's, that's pretty sophisticated? Well, we bought, isn't it? This is off topic, but, but these new color copiers come with a legal warning not to copy money because that's how good that copier is. That's really? why these charts. That's why this part that's about the future. You see how it's showing up there. We yeah. can't speak about that. Right. These are great copies. All right, uh, we're taking a lot of people's time here. I don't even know what time it is at this point. I've I, I think I just have one more uh, comment here somewhere, uh, but uh, but I've lost track of where it is, most. That's because you take the staples yeah. out, Val. <laughs> what can I tell you? I never take the staples that's out. That's a good point. So that's another show, uh, the Value Guys Stock Talk Show, January 7th, 2013. Um, we did have three... Medium Inter ideas this week. Did you if, have a favorite? Mom? If you didn't get any ideas that you really liked, at least you got to listen to yeah. us suffer. Well, neither did we. But do you have a least hated this week, Mo? Or you don't even want to go there? You know, all? even congressmen get to abstain once yeah. in a while. I'm going to say that I think this system acts might be worth a look, but not a... You know, I, Let's I, just I, hope yeah. that that comment doesn't show up on the internet yeah. ten years from now. It's like so, he said, "What?" It very well may. Uh, thanks for listening, and everybody. Uh, this has been the Value Guys Stock Talk Show. See all our caveats, disclosures, photos, things that we didn't want to share at home at www.thevalueguys.com. So long, everybody. And uh, look for the app on the Apple Store coming up very soon. The uh, Value Guys app. Everything you'd ever want in an app. See ya. What, Mo?